Thank you for listening to this week's Freedom Church podcast. We hope it helps and inspires you. Uh, if you want um, the Bible reading for this morning, um, it is simply one verse. Simple church. Uh, and it is Matthew 5, verse 13. And I'm going to be focusing just on that verse this morning um, and trying to keep it simple. But first, as I was thinking about today and reflecting on it, um, I just want to begin by saying something about partnership. As we all know from the scriptures, the words, there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, for we are all one in Christ Jesus. And today, I think it needs saying more and more over and over again, I want to slightly paraphrase that. And say, there is neither Freedom Church nor Methodist, Catholic nor Baptist, Elim nor Abbey. We are all one in Christ Jesus. And I want to thank God for our partnership in the gospel, our shared values and our ability to be open, honest, vulnerable, compassionate and passionate together for the greater glory of God. And I am really optimistic. I am hopeful I am I'm a relentless optimist, much to the annoyance of people down the road. Um, but I am positive and hopeful about faith and the church, both in this town and in this land and in the world. But it's not an optimism that's naive, but born out of a deep faith in God revealed in Jesus Christ. That God so loved the world for a purpose, and that is you and me. And that I believe in this because of God's deep belief in this, in each one of us. And so today, as we look together at simple church, not only are we just simply going to look at one simple verse, actually we're going to look at one simple word in that. And I'm going to fill, did you say 65 minutes for this morning? I'm going to fill a few minutes... Uh, talking about this one word in this one verse. And this one word is salt. But let me um, read it in the context of the whole verse, which is this. Part of the Beatitudes. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but it is thrown out and trampled underfoot. Friends, I need to make a bit of a confession. I have a guilty pleasure. Cookery programs. (laughs) And they're everywhere. And it's not very helpful to resist the temptations of these endless cookery programs that are everywhere. I love them all. Bake Off, MasterChef, Great British Menu, you name it, I'll watch it. Um, uh, and it, and, and, And if you've noticed in bookshops... All, nearly all the best non-fiction bestsellers are cookery books. And let's be honest, how many of them have got how many of us have got them? They look great on the shelf. And it looked so easy when um, so-and-so was doing it on screen, and you think, oh, I could do that, impress the neighbors. Um, and basically, then that we sort of managed, we might muster one recipe. 
which is normally the easiest one in the book. Maybe I'm projecting my own stuff onto you here, but just roll with it. You know, we might just have this one thing, but actually the rest of the books, we end up looking at the pictures uh, and actually kind of wishing that we could be like that but actually that we don't have the time. And just as we reach for another jar of pasta sauce or the takeaway menu, we'll say, oh, well, never mind, uh, another day then. And a few days ago, I was watching one of these programs, um, and um, uh, the chef, James Martin, have you come across James Martin? Um, Eye candy for some. Uh, uh, He used to be on Saturday Morning Kitchen. Um, Come on. Let's be honest. Um, and he had this recipe that he was making. And basically, on this baking tray, there was this mound of salt. And I thought, what on earth is he going to do with this? What I had, because I'd come in sort of halfway, I'd sort of you know, only recorded half the program. I don't understand the kind of you view thing. Uh, and uh, so, so I was watching this thing. It's just basically this mound of salt. And I thought, oh, that's really nice, isn't it? But he had done this amazing salt-baked sea bass. And even with all the TV lights and all that kind of stuff, as he cracked open this sea bass shell of salt, underneath was this beautiful, succulent, (laughs) succulent, amazing fish. And I was completely hooked on how to do this. And so, ever hopeful, I'm going to do this recipe (laughs) one day. And do you remember Ready, Steady, Cook? That used to be on in the afternoon. No, I don't watch TV all the time, and I don't watch daytime TV. I do have work to do. Um, But there was this guy, Ainsley Harriet, who used to do Ready, Steady, Cook. Um, Personally, I found it a little bit annoying, but the most annoying thing was that he he personalised the condiments. So we had a little bit of Susie salt and a little bit of Percy pepper. I'm thinking, oh, for goodness sake, get a life, man. It's salt and pepper. But nevertheless, I actually want to talk this morning about salt and actually how important it is, or perhaps something rather more gritty than salt. You see, when we think about you are the salt of the earth, I don't know what image is coming to your mind. Maybe you're thinking the salt of the earth, you are the white granular stuff, or the molden sea salt if you go to Waitrose. You are the white granular stuff. You are this stuff that actually you sprinkle on your chips or something like that. That's sort of there. It's there to add flavor. Or maybe you think, actually, this is the stuff, a bit like mixed sort of salted sea bass, that actually is there to preserve. And how we've used to use, still do a little bit, you know, the salt that we use to preserve stuff. And actually that we it's actually what salt is about is about adding flavour. I actually think it's about a little bit more than that. And if we think that as a Christian community or as individuals, our job is simply just to wander around like some sort of Susie salt seller and sort of sprinkle a little bit here and there then I think we miss out. And I think the problem is, because the next verse, which we're not going to talk about, the next verse is, you are the light of the world. So then we couple together salt and light. 
And I don't want to do that. I just want to think about salt. Because then we think about light as something we just kind of shines down or onto something. But actually, I think there's something so much more that's going on. You see, the word that's used, the Greek word for salt, is the word halas. And in other words, this salt word is not the kind of sodium chloride-y white stuff that we put on. Actually, it's not salt. It's salt of the earth. It's one thing. And salt of the earth gives it a whole different um, uh, meaning. It's kind of, uh, sorry, for the, uh, the scientists among you can go with this one. We're not talking a sodium-based product here. We are talking a potassium-based product. In other words, like potash or phosphate or something basically fertilizer. Stuff you put in the ground, not the stuff you scatter on the top. And the problem with the image of sprinkling salt is that actually it's somehow kept separate. The danger is that we'll say, I'll just put a little bit of salt here and then I'll get put it away again. But actually, what Jesus, I think, is teaching the disciples, this part of the Sermon on the Mount, is not simply to be preservers of a good society or as nice people adding a better flavor to a dodgy community around us. It's much more positive than that. And actually, it's a bit more judgmental on the world around us as well. What does potash do? What does fertilizer do? Well, it's actually a life-bringing force into dead soil. That's why we use it. If we didn't think the soil needed it, we wouldn't put it in there. And I think I want to say that actually... Of all the things in our culture, in our society, in the blandness of our soil around us, what do I fear most? I actually fear not the rise of secularism or other religions or anything like that. I fear the blandness of the soil of indifference, of whatever, of I'm all right, thanks. It's not even passing by on the other side. It's not even that people don't really... You know, not even people, We have this kind of assumption that sort of everyone's against us, really, and there's some sort of big spiritual battle. I don't want to deny that sense. But actually, if we're thinking about... It's next month now, but thinking supernaturally, naturally... Do you know what I mean? Actually, I think it's about... Um, that's how we can, if you like, kind of fertilize supernaturally this kind of whateverness. The tidal wave of indifference. I don't really, so many times I say, well, I don't really care. I'm not that bothered. And then I see the sacrifice of Jesus, disciples, prophets, all those who've gone before us who really did care. And who didn't actually come along with a bit of a, you know, those, a little bit, a bit of salt. But actually absolutely got stuck in. So... Actually, here's the challenge. You see, relatively easily, we can appease our consciences by scattering a bit of salt. So I did a bit of salt scattering, done that, put a bit you know, on the chips of our world type of thing and sort of somehow season them with a happy, smiley grin and never mind, Jesus loves you. Potash does something much better, much more different. It's actually about we, as salt of the earth, being dug into the community and the society. 
And here's the thing. In order that, life form can flourish. I am no gardener. I am to gardening what Herod was to childminding. <laughs> but I get what putting this stuff in does to the soil. I get even if you buy a packet of flowers for somebody, then actually with the flowers comes a little sachet of stuff. You see, I'm really on the technical language here. And this sachet of stuff. Do you know what the main content of the sachet of stuff is? Salt. Nutritional stuff. In fact, actually, if you talk to some people who are rather more green-fingered than me, the best thing to do is to forget the sachet and actually put a bit of salt in. It's very good for cut roses, perhaps, when you're buying them for your other halves. Um, you just bung a bit of salt in the water. That's the stuff that makes the difference because it's being dug in. It's being stuck in. And it ceases to become itself, but enables everything around to be nourished. And that took me to the line in John's Gospel. If it's going to be dug in, the challenge of this is, in John 12, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. You see, actually, this whole business about salt and saltiness is actually about death to self. Less of us and more of God. It's not about what we can do. It's actually about how, I, it's like the John the Baptist, I must become less, so he must become greater. That sense of really getting stuck in, which is sacrificial, which is not very sexy language, but actually more death will be better so that more life can come. God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that we might have life and have it, you know, at that, sorry, putting two things together, but have life in abundance. Death to self. This was the Jesus model, walking to the cross so that we might have life, absolutely getting stuck in. And as... Um, Leah was being uh, dedicated this morning, a uh, lovely christening gown. Um, I'd love to get into the theology of christening and baptisms. Um, I think you might be right. <laughs> but please don't tell... Is this being podcasted? <laughs> I think you might be right. <laughs> um, anyway, I'll, um, I'll be getting my P45 tomorrow. <laughs> But actually, um, in the Church of England Baptist christening service, it talks about, in it we are buried with Christ in his death, by it we share in his resurrection. You know, actually, as we were praying this morning for Leah, I just thought, you know, what are we doing? Actually, we're kind of planting him. And actually, our task, not just mum and dad and all the family, but all of us here and everywhere, is to... Be that good potash for Leo. That's what the call and the challenge is. So there's also about that sacrifice. And the danger is, and I fall into this trap as well, as we seek to share the gospel, the big question so often that we try and collude with an answer is, what's in it for me? But actually, I want to say, well, what's in it for you is death. What's in it for you is a sacrifice. 
You know, it's not the greatest strap line, but it is the Jesus strap line. Death, so that we might have life. And so therefore, actually, the danger is we can collude with the model of this is all really lovely, but actually, and we need to be more attractive. But actually, Jesus talks about a narrow door. And I want to widen the door, but I, in one sense, um, I, want to, I want to make it easier for people to come to faith in Jesus Christ. But I don't want to sell people short that it's not actually a life of sacrifice and other things. I don't want to walk around like a miserable so-and-so with a, you know, the end of the world is nigh, you're a sinner kind of thing. I don't want to do that. I want to talk about abundant life. But also I want to say that there is sacrifice that goes with it for all of us. Um, again, in the Church of England, well, I've got my pity 45 now, I don't care, so I'm going to go for it. Um, one of the things, one of the really annoying things in the Church of England uh, is that um, we are always writing words. We've turned writing words into a profession. We're writing new services all the time. And now, good news, whoopee, we're now writing books about words, about how to use the words. And we know there are too many words, so then we write loads of words to tell people that we've got too many words. And then there's loads of words that tell us you don't need to use quite so many words, you can cut them down a bit. The world is not going to be... And I've got all the books... Forests have been felled. I've got them all. They've transformed my life. Not. The world will not be saved by words, but by the word made flesh. Jesus, who dug himself into the ground so that others may live. And the link here is actually about us as a physical presence. The link here is not about rocking up occasionally, a visitation, a walkthrough, a drive-by blessing. Jesus didn't do any of those. He didn't say, I'm just popping in to say hello and bless you, and I'm out of here. He became flesh and lived and dwelt among us. In other words, he was potash. Getting stuck into the world that we live in. And I'm constantly amazed by people who are amazed by some of the small things we do that actually they think, goodness me, Christians do that. That's impressive. Uh, a few years ago, you remember the floods two or three years ago? Um, how can you forget them, really? Uh, in Romsey. Um, and absolutely right that we pray for Haiti and uh, all the floods there as well. And we had our own little floods a, uh, a few years ago. And um, uh, I kind of had a spare morning, so I decided, to, and somebody was saying, you know, that these houses are going to get flooded soon. So I kind of just thought, well, I better go and dig out some stuff so that the water goes somewhere else. So anyway, um, me, I got my wellies on, I got my spade out, and I kind of went down the road, dog collar on, um, never take it off, um, wear it with pride. Uh, so I'm rocking up, and I'm digging out this stuff to try and stop these houses being, uh, and there's a few of us out there, do you know what I mean, doing this kind of stuff. Um, uh, the next week, uh, in the advertiser, in the local rag, there's a letter from a local resident saying how lovely it was to see the local vicar um, digging out, and thank you very much indeed, and isn't this what Christianity is all about? I'm thinking, I don't know why I bother writing another sermon in my whole life. I just go and dig trenches. Because <laughs> actually, no one's ever written a letter about my sermons before. <laughs> And yes, I have done 190 squillion christenings, probably at the wrong time. I have done them all. 
No one's ever written a letter in the advertiser saying, what a beautiful christening that was. But I get a spade out and do something. Not in here, but out there. And I suddenly realize I've been a bit of potash. Unbeknown. So here's the challenge. How is it that we can really, really get stuck in and be salt of the earth? Whilst floods are going on, what does it mean for us to be salt of the earth? Why is it, you're right about the Florida thing, because those buildings will stay standing, but the ones in Haiti won't. So what, what do we do? Actually, being potash is about changing society, not about just buying another tin roof for it to blow down at the next one. And the challenge, even with our fantastic work and that you have led with here on the food banks and the cap and all that sort of thing, is actually there's that. But actually there's the challenge about what on earth are we doing living in a world that we need one? And actually how do we get into the potash, be potash in society, that resilience? And dig some trenches to say to people, how can this happen even today in a modern Western society? Likewise, we can, you know, we, you know, water aid, all these kind of things, sponsoring water things. Actually, the danger is that we do that, and that's, that's the sprinkling of the salt. But alongside that, actually, to get in there and say, what on earth are you doing as a government or whatever, not providing Hot, uh, you know, sort of at least vaguely clear water for people to drink. That, so it needs to come out at both ends. I'm not saying that we don't scatter a bit, but actually, how can we be more potash? Because that demands rather more death to self. And this is where we are so good together. This is where, actually, when Christians speak with one voice, that actually we can really make a significant amount of difference. So it's good because it's us as Christians getting stuck in where it's needed and away from our kind of internal stuff, which we get so sucked in with. Let me give you an example of our short-sightedness. A few years ago, Church of England a few years ago, we had a thing called a decade of evangelism, which turned into a decade of thinking about the possibility of maybe, vaguely, possibly sitting up a subcommittee <laughs> to look into the possibility of a bit of random evangelism soon when we can fit it in. Uh, and my dad, who's a retired vicar, uh, it's not genetic, um, uh, my dad is retired, he was responsible for, um, uh, this is in the, uh, the Cambridgeshire, where my, my folks lived, um, he was responsible for churches what are you going to do for the decade, bear in mind this is a decade, of evangelism? Please send in your responses. We're going to gather them all together and get everybody together and really commit ourselves to the Lord for the rest of the decade of evangelism. And please fill in this postcard. It's going to be a kind of simple thing. Send it back and uh, then we'll put it all together. What a great thing to do. You know, can you imagine hundreds of local churches pooling their energies and commitments and talents for the decade of evangelism. And the first one came in. And my dad opened it, baited breath. And it said, we, the people of God in the parish of dot, 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 dot. For the decade of evangelism, we commit ourselves under God to, wait for it, Repair our kneelers. 
seriously. For 10 years, to pronounce the name of Jesus Christ, they're going to repair their kneelers. Now, I don't know what's happened to that church. I don't give a flying monkeys about the state of their kneelers. But what I do care about is actually, this is not salt. This is not light. This is not potash. That is tapestry. And it's so easy. That's just an extreme parody for us to be so worried about what we're doing. You know, and believe me, you should come down there, the subcommittees I sit on. You know, conversations about the color of hassocks and tablecloths. We don't have those, but do you know what I mean? But it's so easy to get sucked into those. But actually, how we can actually be this potash. So as I was thinking about today, I just want to finish by sharing with you um, an image of a food festival. Because Romsey now has a food festival. Um, and um, I, I kind of got this idea. It's had this picture that's been going on for me for, a, uh, for a, when I was thinking about today. In Cheshire, the church has a salt Sunday. Well, that's interesting. Um, and actually, they do a whole loads of salty things. Apparently, sort of Cheshire is land of salt. Don't ask me. So let me offer you just a little vision of a Romsey food festival and actually a Romsey salt festival. And it's a vision of a table where we're going to sit down with this salt. And this table runs from here, from Romsey School, down the road, via the abbey, the URC, and the convent, where our plain-clothed nuns are so lovely and prayerful, down the hundred, hooking up past every church building. And this table is long, and it keeps on growing. And this table is a really simple table, but it's been really well made. It's been well made because it was made by a carpenter. A poor man who was generous. And this table, as he's making this table, because it's still being made, because the carpenter is still at work. This poor man, this generous man, is offering a place at the table to everyone who wants to sit and eat. This is a table that started in one place, that is now a table of salt, that is stretching down every street into every home. And if people want to come and sit at this table, they can do. And at this table, which both has a rough-hewn surface, but whose legs are stuck deep into the ground, and the dirt is coming up through the legs. It's a table for meeting. It's a table for talking. It's a table for laughing. It's a table for eating. And it's a level table. Maybe it's not a round table. Maybe it's a square, um, oblong type one where people can look at each other eye to eye and sit there. And they can sit there beside the poor man who made the table because he keeps inviting people to this table at this salt festival. And if you look at this table that keeps running down the streets of this town, it's just one table because there's no high table, because there's no qualifications to sit at this table at the Salt Festival. And it's for everyone. The poor man sits there, the rich man sits there, and you can sit there and look across the table at people like you and people like me, and you can look at people who you don't like, at people who agree with you 
and at people who disagree with you, but people who are sat at the same table with the legs going down into the same earth. And the potash is cascading down into the ground as this table goes longer. You can't buy a ticket to sit here. And today, there's great celebration at the table because Leo's joined the table. Anyone can sit at this table. It's like a table at a wedding. You sit with guests you never knew and you find out about them and they become your friends. And the table is spread with this beautiful fine linen cloth and you're welcomed like in a beautiful christening robe. And you're welcomed like any pilgrim coming into a new house. You are made welcome. And you sit at the table and you are dedicated and blessed. And as you sit there talking and you know that the legs of the table are deeply, deeply rooted in this potash, a poor man will come and serve you. And the poor man's hands, you notice, are wounded when he comes and serves you. Because the food he's serving, the salt he's offering, came at a price. This poor man's name is Jesus, who though he was rich, yet for our sakes became poor. Though he was the single grain of wheat, yet he died so that others might live. This is the gift of being the church together, rooted in this potash. This is the gift that keeps on going. And the table's still being put up. They're still building more tables down streets where we have never been and down streets where, frankly, we've avoided going before. Because actually potash is not selective in the ground that it seeks to fertilize and grow. I want a bigger church not because I want more people in the church, that's lovely. But I want a bigger church so that we can make a bigger difference. I'm not that bothered about the survival of the church. I'm actually bothered about the revival and the difference that the kingdom of God built in this place can make. This is the church of God. The church of God in Jesus Christ who got stuck in, whose hands were dirty, who didn't have a nail brush because he wanted the dirt to be under the nails. Because that is the word made dirty flesh, the word made dug in potash. So now is a good time for this. Pope Francis, I'm so ecumenical, he said this, he said, an evangelizing community gets involved by word and deed in people's daily lives. It bridges distances, is willing to abase itself if it's necessary, and it embraces human life, touching the suffering flesh of Christ in others. That is what we do by being a simple, simple church, by being potash. Jesus lays a table for us to be the salt of the earth. A long and deep table, deep into the fabric of our society, not melting away in the morning mist, but working day and night, a little bit, going such a long way. And my brothers and sisters, this table is so simple. It's not complicated at all. It's part of a simple church 
because simple acts in the complexities of our world and community are needed more than ever. The simple task for a simple church is to be a table of salt, not a pillar of salt, a table of salt, to be potash, to be fertilizer, to continue to work together, to dig ourselves into the ground more and more. And so we walk together on this, united, not comparing our salts, worrying about whether our salt is more sound or more appropriate than the other one, for that is the way the evil one will take us, into division, when we are discovering and rediscovering and relearning unity. Beware the saying, I don't think much of the Catholic salt. Well, that Methodist salt's a bit iffy. And as for the Appy salt, rejoice. You, we, are the salt of the earth. That we have been given this salt. Salt which might mean that we die a bit. But so this community, the wider world would have us dug into the ground in order that the world might live. Amen. For more information about Freedom Church, please go to www.freedomchurch.uk. Thank you for listening.